0: Welcome to the Kook Center Podcast, and here's your host...
1: I invented the piano key necktie! I invented it! What have you done, Derek? Nothing! You've done nothing! Nothing!
0: Michael Preston.
2: I think mostly Will Ferrell's got to be a talented actor, just from the standpoint of that he can get his voice up that high. I don't want to demonstrate because my microphone isn't good enough, but I there is no way I could get my voice up that high-pitched. <laughs> There's just no way. Welcome back. Another week of the Kook Center Hour here on kookcenter.com. We're also available on the itunes Z, the soundcloud Z, and the stitcher E. Stitcher-z-y. Z. I really didn't plan this out very well. It's no bigger uh, worry than my uh, Kanye West opener, though. Uh, much Better mood this week, aren't we all? I think a much, much improved mood compared to the game we were coming off of last week. And I'll talk, uh, well, actually, we'll talk about that right now. Portland State's actually ranked now. So, I mean, yes, the loss is still awful, but it's not like really and truly disgustingly awful like it was. Still very bad. Uh, So, still in a better mood though, right? And I think a lot of it has to do with, and I'll attribute it a lot to this, is the fact that Not only did this football team go 2,500, 3,000 miles to the east and play a relatively early game for them coming off that long travel, they had to be there. You'd be ready to play at noon, noon 30. That's early. Um, You know, they went out there and, you know, punched Rutgers in the mouth. Rutgers came back and housed a punt return with a minute and a half to go. And they could have laid down and they could have just kind of, you know, done what we've seen so many WSU teams do, and that is just kind of be resigned to their fate of, well, this is going to be a lost football game. But they went out there, they drove down the field in about a minute and 10 seconds, and they scored a touchdown. And they won the game for Washington State. And probably, if you're really thinking about it, one of the more dramatic wins uh, we've seen for WSU. I mean, especially that late in the quarter, I mean, Oregon State last year, they had that game. They were up a touchdown with a few minutes left to go, A very few, at least I think three or four minutes left to go. The game against Utah, they went up by a point with about five uh, five or four minutes left to go in the game last year. This really and truly was a last-second, you've-got-some-serious-stones win. Were there problems in that football game? Undoubtedly, Yes. And we will get to that. We're going to talk to Jeff Neusser a little bit later because especially with Luke Falk, even though he did win the Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Week, there are still things we did not like about the way he played, those numbers notwithstanding. But when you just look at this football game from the terms of how they responded to the adversity of allowing another special team, that's two special teams touchdowns in that game, of allowing uh, the second special teams touchdown. With about 90 seconds to go in the ball game, 90 seconds left in the ball game, and they need to go down and score a touchdown to win. And I think they had to go what about 85, 80, 85 yards to do it. And it's not easy. I don't, I don't care any any circumstances. You got a redshirt sophomore quarterback. You got you know running backs who haven't done a lot all day. So you're going to be throwing the football. Rutgers knows what's coming to them. They know the throws are coming. And they still marched down there with about 13 seconds left. They scored the game-winning touchdown. That, for me, in terms of the resolve it showed, for the guts it showed, for the stones it showed, that, that was their best win we've seen in the last two years. Perhaps even three years, but I have to go back to 2013 and think about those six wins a little bit more. In terms of responding well to... Being in a bad position and putting yourself in that bad position. Responding well to that. They did a fantastic job. The offense did anyhow. Those players did a great job. They responded to that and they got back out there and they drove down the field and they put the damn ball in the end zone. Touchdown Washington State. Ball game over. You come home from Biscataway with a win. Over a team that really you should have beaten. You look at the F rankings this week, Rutgers now fall somewhere in the 90s. They were missing five players in the secondary because of arrests. And now, Leonte Carew, it didn't happen before the game, but he's suspended indefinitely. That football team is in trouble. They're in a lot of trouble. And that was a football game you should have won. And frankly, I think if they hadn't won, you would have been extraordinarily disappointed, just from the standpoint of obviously you're going you to be 0 2 and you expected to be 2 0. But to, if you can't beat a team like that, who can you beat? If you can't beat a team facing that much adversity, if you can't beat a team with that many issues, who can you beat? I, I mean, really, who can you beat? You look ahead to this week with Wyoming, go check the F-plus rankings. Wyoming lost to North Dakota, another FCS team getting votes, but still an FCS team that beat them by 11 at home rather roundly. And then they got absolutely stomped on by Eastern Michigan. And if you're not familiar with Eastern Michigan, they have been widely considered the worst FBS team for the last few years. Some have considered them that. I I have thought of them as that. The F-plus rankings for this week certainly say that because they are dead last in the F-plus rankings, even with that win over Wyoming, who is something like 117 in those rankings. Wyoming is a bad, bad football team. And if the team that showed up in Piscataway shows up against Wyoming this weekend, you should win that football game running away with it. But again, you go back to that Portland State game. What caused them to allow the Vikings to hang around in that game? I don't think it was the weather. Maybe they were just looking past them, but these guys this week, they have nothing to look past Wyoming. They get the week off the week next week. They have the week off. They don't have to do anything. They are good to go. So you go out there, you ball out, you play your hardest and realize that you're going to get a few days off next week. As far as I know, Mike Leach is like every other coach. If you're in a bye week, yeah, sure guys. We're going to use the time to go recruiting. You go, you know, do your normal lifting, but relax by and large on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. Relax a little bit. They know that after this Saturday, that what is left for them is generally just to put their feet up for a few days. And we've talked about, I, I don't like the buy this early in the season. I really don't like the buy early in the season, but at least they're not Colorado going 13 straight weeks, no buys. By the time Colorado gets to Pullman, they may be a shell of, them, of their former self. But they don't have anything to look past with Wyoming. in a really and truly bad football team. They might be even worse than Portland State. We'll talk to Jeremy Mouse from Mountain West Connection about that in a few minutes. But Washington State went to Piscataway. They faced that adversity, those two special teams touchdowns they're allowing, which again... Another big concern that the special team still has not fixed itself. Eric Powell's kicking field goals, that's great. He looks accurate, looks like a much better kicker than he was last year, although he probably got yanked from that starting job a little early, but seems to be so far relatively consistent and a guy you can count on to make those high percentage field goals. That's not the special teams you're worried about. You're worried about that kickoff coverage, you're worried about that punt coverage. To now, you're at the point with it where you might as well just kick it out of bounds. Even on kickoffs, just kick it out of bounds, put them on the 35, and dare them to go that extra 15 yards. You might have gotten had you tackled him at the 20, but you don't have to risk him housing it to the end zone. Same thing on a punch; kick it out of bounds. Just don't, don't even take the risk anymore. Just I, it, it befuddles the mind that we're still, after last year, we're still having these issues. These issues are still up front, right? I mean, respons- directly responsible for two Rutgers touchdowns, directly responsible for 14 of their 34 points. And I know it's all hindsight and the football play- game played out the way it played out. But if you eliminate those two touchdowns and say they like, just say they even just got one on a drive where they just would have fielded the punt normally, it's a 37 27 game. And we're not talking about how close it was. And I realize you can't do that. But, and Rutgers did shoot themselves in the foot a lot. They, they got into like a third and 35 or something at one point because of procedural penalties and a chop block. I mean, they, they pointed the gun squarely at their foot and pulled the trigger quite a bit. But there were issues with that win. And again, I think we can discuss that while also feeling like that win had the most stones, the most, you know, biggest, I'm going to look adversity straight in the face and I'm going to give it the finger. They went out and won that football game with 90 seconds left to go. And I even said as much on Twitter during the game. Is there anybody who thinks they're going to be able to do this? And the universal answer, almost universal answer I got, was no. I didn't think they were going to be able to. I'll, I can admit that. From what we'd seen the week before with them and what history has shown us the last few years, I did not think they were going to go out and drive 85 yards down the football field and win the game with 13 seconds left to go. You call me being negative about it, call me whatever you want, but it's just, look at the past. You look at the past behavior and what had happened in the past, and that is just not something we expected. But it's nice when unexpected things happen, isn't it? It's nice when that happens. This football team still has problems, and we will discuss that with Jeff Newser coming up in a little bit. But that felt good, didn't it? That felt really freaking good. Like, really good. (laughs) I was at work, man. I almost interrupted somebody's live traffic report. I didn't realize their mic was on, and luckily I noticed at the last second I should probably stop screaming and yelling. What's that in the background? Oh, just some guy saying the F word a lot. And then yeah after it. Y'all got a dump button back there? (laughs) That win had some stones, man. That win had some serious stones. And as much as we'll talk about Luke Falk still having some issues with not throwing receivers open, not making decisions quick enough, that last drive, he really had command of that offense. Let's see more of last drive Luke Falk on Saturday than we did of pretty much the rest of the game Luke Falk. Had great numbers, put up great numbers. But there were still some problems, and we'll talk about that uh, coming up with Jeff Nusser But first, we're going to talk to Jeremy Mouse from Mountain West Connection about the Wyoming Cowboys and what you're going to get out of this Wyoming team coming in with second-year head coach Craig Bull. Is it a good football team? Are they trying to find their footing? What is going on with them? We'll discuss the Wyoming Cowboys next here on the Cook Center Hour. <laughs> the kook center hour and uh we actually have time this week to talk about wsu's upcoming opponent the wyoming cowboys out of the mountain west and laramie wyoming we're going to do that with mountain west connections jeremy mouse uh sir this football team is well struggling a little bit they lost to north dakota a not terrible fcs team but still an fcs team got beat by uh nearly two touchdowns there and then they got absolutely stomped by eastern michigan a fbs team that hasn't been good uh in quite some time this is craig Bull's second season from north dakota state but this probably isn't a quick fix for what he uh encountered there after dave christensen was let go is it
3: not a quick six, but last year they were reasonably well. They beat Air Force. And they have, a like Sean, their running game is pretty well, and that's where people thought Craig he did it. North Dakota State with his just pounded and running offense. Well, I mean, has the running game with Brian Hill last year, or excuse me, Sean Wick. Most of last year, then Brian Hill came out of nowhere with a Mountain Rush record late in the year.
0: Mm-hmm. And those two guys are starting to figure those two guys are run over everybody. Brian Hill had a great
3: game versus Houston, Michigan, but besides that, there's I don't know what the deal is. I kind of thought they might get to a bowl game because Eastern Michigan
2: is like the worst team in FBS for the past five or six years. Yeah, Figured they'd be 2-0 at this point and maybe causing a little upset potential to get to Washington State, but there's no chance, I don't think. No. We'll get to that a little bit more a little bit later, but you're right. We were going to talk about that, those losses and that loss to North Dakota. Not an awful FCS team, but Eastern Michigan has not been good for a very, very long time. Where are the fan base? Where's the fan base of Wyoming right now? Because you know, I think it's got to be kind of similar to how WSU felt after that Portland State loss. But it's been two weeks in a row now for Wyoming that they've suffered a loss that's kind of unexpected and, quite frankly, maybe unacceptable to people there. Or where are they with it? Yeah, they're not because
3: these are Michigan. A little bit of a game, and I felt like twenty seven, Like, what's going on? The, I think the most disappointing thing is they, besides they thought they should be 2 and 0, which most anybody thought they would. The running game in week one, like right now, Sean wick, I don't think they combined for 100 yards between the two. Yeah, and that's what I thought would be the strength. Like most people would just run the ball. They'll get problem. Looking at 250 a game combined or 200 combined between the two. I know Brian Hill had 270 something against Eastern Michigan, but the game one disappointed that they didn't move the ball because Craig Bowles what he's done. They're not happy because they figured they knew they it's still rebuilding, probably take year three or year four to get into contention. But in the Mountain Division, they might go 0-5. New Mexico's they can move the ball, but they're not very good. But they're they're questioning like what is going on? They brought in um, Cameron. Uh, quarterback from Indiana, based named Cam Kaufman, I believe, or
0: something. Yeah. I don't care to know his name because he's not doing very good. <laughs> yeah. but they thought, oh, we could just get from Indiana. We know Indiana's not good,
3: but he might bring something because they don't have much quarterback. Last year they had tried a couple guys. They should figure, okay, we got a guy who come in, transferred reasonably. Recruited highly, go to Indiana Big Ten. You're going to be above average at least, but mm-hmm. nothing's working well at all, and it's just it's just a pain to watch. Getting scoring, giving up so many points to a bad Eastern Michigan team, and not moving the ball. It's like they have Tanner Ginger, he's pretty good in mm-hmm. uh, 180 yards, but that came on half of that came on one play and is only touchdown. So it's like it's they're not happy with what's going on at all.
2: Yeah, and in fact, you talked about the quarterback situation a little bit there. You had Cameron Kaufman, Josh Allen. Now both of them are hurt. So this is kind of a situation WSU was in in 2008. It's all kind of how deep down the crappy quarterback depth chart can I get before I hit rock bottom. And now they're on Nick Smith. The quarterback, Wyoming's going to run the football. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But they just don't have the ability to, like you said, pass the football very much. One, their leading receiver has something like 180 yards. 90 of it came on one play. This team is not going to put the football in the air, are they?
3: No, they'll probably not. Why should they? Playing our third string QB. Tanner Gentry, he'll get some passes. He's a pretty good receiver, but 10 in two games is not not okay. It's not bad, not great. But yeah. I'd expect a heavy dose of Brian Hill, more Hill than Sean Wick. They both can do well, but it's going to be Brian Hill's going to put up a lot of yards. That's what they need. If they're going to stay in this game, maybe play time possession, keep it out of the passing attack that Washington State will do. That'll give them, if they want any edge at all to stay in this game, that will be why if they're successfully running the ball and scoring every now and then and just kind of keep playing keep away.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about Brian Hill with uh, Jeremy Mouse who joins us from Mountain West Connection to talk about the Wyoming Cowboys. Brian Hill really exploded onto the scene last year, was kind of this, I think a good story, this running back at Wyoming. I mean, who knew that he was going to be this good it is pretty much his show on offense. The dude average is just some ridiculous yardage per touch and he's pretty much going to do everything for Wyoming. What, just what makes him so good? Is it his ability to go North South? That is his size. What, what is it about him that kind of makes him the running back that he is?
3: Yeah, he surprised everybody. Cause he took over for DJ May No, linebacker last year late. He had like, 350 for a league record it's like what, who is this kid what's he doing yeah Nobody, he had like 10 carries before that game last year like he was just yeah carry a game or something to just give him some work but he he can just do it all he can get to the backfield but again who knows if they can throw him the ball that's gonna be another issue if he can yeah. do any screens or swing passes but he'll he's a strong stronger guy when i see he'll run up the middle speed reasonably good because he's had he's had some long runs he just likes to attack and he's a he's just attack up the middle from Rice and the He's only played I think four games. Yeah. Overall being the guy. So there's not a ton to go off what he has enough for coaches to figure out what he's going to what is he going to do. North Dakota just that was just a mess. I didn't watch. I don't think it was streaming so I don't even really know why he had so few carries and so, uh, so unsuccessful, but he likes to go up the middle. He, he's a little he's a little patient so he'll find where he's going to go, but mm-hmm. he, he's gonna go up the middle a lot. He's not gonna be a, not gonna give him not giving to too many tosses to outside. He's not gonna be the speed back to to burn everybody at the linebackers their defensive end he'll go up the middle he just finds he, his good vision is great because he can look where to go and if you're, even if you're not that fast if you see where you need to be and you're shifting up you can get an extra five or seven yards if you find that hole mm-hmm. and
0: get the big play that, that's what he does and they're just going to like still Craig does he
3: goes up the middle uh, past, past the center past the guard Not can go outside tackle too much yeah
2: I want to talk a little bit about the uh, defensive side of the football now for Wyoming, because we're also a little worried about, uh, or we're concerned about that, obviously. Um, I looked at their stats page last night. The passing, or just the team, so we'll just say the passing defense, because that's really what it's about. Per catch, they give up 15.6 yards. That, uh, against an offense that threw the football over 60 times last week, that's not very good.
3: <laughs> no, safe to say, no. And, yeah, again, look who they played and look what they're giving up at Washington State. Well, overall, they're not probably not the best team, but they that's what they know how to do, and that's how they're going to win the game. And yeah. I don't know what they Eddie Yarbrough is a good defensive mean, He can probably get to the backs a bit, but they're going to get rid of the ball quick, so he's probably going to be a non-factory, might make a play or two, but... They're no chance. If they do have that many yards, they're terrible teams. They have nobody of no out in the secondary anymore. They're Part of it, too, they're such a young team, which is not an excuse, but it's what it is, of who they have. When you lose a coach a couple years ago, Dave Christensen recruiting drops down the first, takes like two years to build back up.
0: Mm-hmm. So they're still
3: going that route. But they, they just – and being in the conference, they should bring – because there's a lot of passing teams. Boise throws the ball. San Jose State throws the ball. Fresno will throw the ball. A lot of teams will throw the ball. You need to be prepared – with a secondary to be reasonably successful, but they're going to get led up, and unless they can get some turnovers or knock some balls down, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. It just seems like this could be a forty to zero game or something with eight touchdown passes or something that adds up.
2: Yeah, well, you talked about how young this secondary is. They've only got one upperclassman starting, and I think it's a junior uh, safety. Other than that, you got a freshman at cornerback, a sophomore at cornerback. This team really. Truly is young. Does that have to do with the loss of Christensen and some transfers, or is this just a matter of this is just what Craig Bowles is going to do? He might just take his licks in the secondary for now to get these young guys some experience because he really believes they're better than what he had left on the roster when he got to Laramie.
3: Dave Kirshner, he's probably going to be fired when he stepped down. That was the consensus, or at least the next year would have been very tough for him to stick around before he left and end up in Utah. Mm-hmm. Then he left, I don't remember, December, January, pretty close to signing day. And so the class should have been solidified back then, but still people leave and then – Wyoming's well, I mean, just not a good team. I've been to Laramie. Nobody, you don't want to go to Laramie. It's, yeah, there's nothing. So I know out in where Washington State is, it's kind of pulling in the same type of deal. It's hard once you're out there. It's hard to get to. It's not simple. You Can't fly in or out. You're driving an hour to Denver to get into Laramie or Colorado Springs. But yeah, a little bit. You lose a new coach. Recruiting's gonna dip. Craig Will's never recruited at the FBS level we brought most of his staff with them from North Dakota State so there's no the coaching staff inexperience of bringing in recruits to I know North Dakota State they got some rollover from the Big Ten because there's so many schools in the Midwest but they never recruited at the FBS level so they're probably still learning on that but part of it you lose guys they weren't very good you lose a coach that sets you back here so it's kind of a combination a few different things I don't know why they didn't get too many JUCO guys or if they could at least mm-hmm. bring a couple for a stopgap like okay we got some upper guys they played at a reasonably high level come into play but I guess you just can go with his guys and just go high school out and bring them in but yeah, again probably two more years at this point because I kind of thought this year they'd be they'd be kind of close because the running attack is so good but yeah, just your recruiting overall just takes it the time it
2: takes its yeah. time you look at this defense, Jeremy, and like you said, they do have a little bit of strength up front. Uh, the cornerbacks aren't very good. They're giving up a lot of passing yards and some not very good football teams. What is kind of the strength, the bread and butter of this defense? What is there anything they do really well? Is there anything Washington State needs to be worried about on Saturday?
3: Look at Eddie Yarborough, He's probably the best defenders in the conference at the defensive tackle or defensive end. He'll probably be in the NFL or at least get a shot next year. He... He's going to be a guy who can be disruptive. So, Washington State probably should double or at least chip him or something off the line so he can't get to the backfield. So that's their main defensive player. is one of the best in the conference. It just depends if, he, if they can, somebody can make room for him or if he can just beat whoever he's going up against and get to the backfield or stop the running game. But in Washington State, they, they can get the ball quickly, so he may not even have time. He may beat this guy, but the ball can be out of the quarterback's hand before he even stands up to see the QB. Like, mm-hmm. He can be that quick, yep. and it's he's their best guy. He has to disrupt right away, and he can get back there, but it just depends on how quick, again, Washington gets rid of the ball. And he's their main guy. He can help in the running game, the front line's good, but it's going to be him. If they're going to do anything, he needs to try to get some sacks, knock the ball down, just to some cheap turnovers, maybe sack and fumble or cover for his mm-hmm. build. But he'll make some plays, but it won't be enough to be able to get them to win. He might yeah. come up with something big, but that might help him get 10 points at most or something <laughs> to see. Does happen to be a sack and fumble, but yeah. he's a guy. But you may not see too much of him because, again, Washington State is your best guy. They'll focus on him to not let him beat them. Yeah,
2: we'll tell, we'll let you have the hug with this, Jeremy Mouse from Mountain West Connection. Uh, after the Portland State loss for WSU, I don't. I'm not really taking anything for granted this year. It's just you know, after that, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna look. I'm you know, per, I don't play the game, but I'm not gonna look past anybody. I'm not gonna do anything. This is Wyoming's. First road game of the year. They played both of their first two games in the friendly confines of War Memorial Stadium. How do you see it going on Saturday? I mean, you know, Wyoming's also struggling. WSU did show a little wherewithal, some cojones, and beat Rutgers in Piscataway last week. Uh, how do you see this, this one playing out?
3: I think Wyoming, again, they're going to have to rely on Sean Wick and uh, Brian Hill. I, don't, I think they'll have some success there and get their yardage. They might not have like, the yards per carry that they think they could or would like to have. They'll probably get 14 points or something. They'll, Brian Hill will in the end zone. It's just a, playing your third quarterback. It's such a mess when the first two weren't very good.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: It's. I think it could get ugly. Secondary's not very good. Again, the team's not good at all. <laughs> Not good <laughs> at all for a while. I mean, I get your point. No reason to look past any team if you lose to an FCS school, but it's going to be probably a 30 point win, at least for Washington State. But I'll see a few. If you're looking for any brake spots for Wyoming, I mean, running game will probably we we'll probably get some big plays and that's about it, but
2: Yeah. I don't know, forty to, 40 to ten maybe, and I'm probably being generous. I'll i I'll, I'll take that every day of the week. <laughs> I will take that. <laughs> Jeremy Mouse from Mountain West Connection joining us here on the Cooks Center hour. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Thank you. We'll talk more about the football team because that's what we do during football season here on the Cookson hour coming up next. Back here on the Cook Center Hour, we've already talked about uh, Wyoming with Jeremy Mouse. And by the way... Uh, Between the time we recorded that interview with uh, Jeremy and when we're putting the podcast here on the air, turns out Cameron Kaufman is going to start for Wyoming, and uh, Nick Smith should be his backup. So it will be the redshirt senior, not that I think the quarterbacking is too big of an issue. But speaking of quarterbacking, we're going to talk about Washington State's quarterback with our very own uh, managing editor, uh, the papa of Cook Center, Jeff Neusser, is here uh, with us. And Jeff, uh, Luke Falk was your back 12 offensive player of the week last week. And I think a lot of folks were kind of surprised when we had said, you know, yes, very good game, but Gabe Marks is our player of the game. And it had a lot to do with not necessarily that Luke Falk made a lot of mistakes. It's that he wasn't really doing what a quarterback in this air raid system is meant to do, was he?
1: Well, I mean, I I think there's, there's a couple of things. Number one is, you know, I want to make sure people understand, like we're not taking anything away from what, from what he did. Right. You know, I mean, he was, he was, uh, you know, the results were awesome. Um, you know, they won the game. And I think like, you know, the big thing is, you know, that final drive was awesome. You know I mean? Outside Mm -hmm. of the one throw that, you know, was dangerous, you know, he made the rest of the right throws. He, he did the, did the right things. Um, you know, it turned out great. So, you know, I mean, all that stuff is awesome. Um, you know, the results are what they are and that was great. That said, you know, I think Mike Leach put it best when he said that, you know, Falk basically left some meat on the bone out there. You know, there was there was more to be had. There were more yards. There were more big plays that were all sort of available. And, you know, the offense didn't make them. And, and you know, when you're throwing the ball 60-whatever times, there's there's only one guy to, to sort of look at when, when that happens. And, um, you know, it's I think to the layperson as you watch the game, you know, and you're like, he's piling up all these yards, you know, it's, it's easy to say, okay, great. You know, I mean, he's moving the ball, they're scoring, you know, whatever. And, and wow, look at all the, look at Luke Falk's composure in the pocket with, you know, the offensive lines, giving him time to throw. And so he's, you know, he's scanning the field and the reality is that, you know, yeah, I mean, he was doing those things, but you really don't want to see that very often. You know, the air raid is designed to be really a quick trigger offense yeah. You know, you find the hole and, 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 you, and you pick the defense apart and, you know, and you're throwing guys into open spaces where they can make plays and, and get explosives. And and far too often on Saturday, you know, Falk was, was not throwing guys into open space. In fact, he was recognizing windows really late. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a couple times Gabe Marks made catches and about got decapitated because yeah. the throw is so late well and you you had um, talked about you, yeah
2: you had talked about the touchdown catch he made the really great catch he made at the pylon but you know it, it was a great catch because the ball should have been thrown about a second earlier than it actually was that would have allowed him to run into the end zone and not actually catch it at the pylon and basically take a hit so huge it was like a cement truck coming at him
1: exactly you know if you watch the replay you can see you know Mark's kind of curling around the corner. And, and, you know, basically Rutgers was playing a, a two-deep zone, um, you know, all day where essentially it was, you know, what they call halves, where it's like the safeties each have a half of the field and, and the corners kind of, you know, sit a little shorter. And so there's kind of this sweet spot behind the corner and before the safety where you can you can hit some throws. And that was a perfect example where Marks was in that sweet spot. And, if you know, if Falk recognizes it right as Marks is is peeling around the corner, you know, he hits him in that sweet spot and he probably more or less walks into the end zone, but instead, you know, he recognizes him kind of late, you know, throws the ball right to the kind of the front pylon there and, you know, and instead Marks has to absorb a hit, you know, and there was a throw earlier in the game. I think it might've been the first quarter, maybe second quarter, but, you know, same thing to Marks where he was kind of in the middle of the field, again, behind the, the first line of defenders, but in front of the safety and the throw was a little late and, you know, and so the safety crunched him and, you know, it's just that kind of stuff. And, you know, even on the very last throw with, with all the confusion, I know confusion can kind of, you know, cause some issues. But, you know, I mean, Craycraft was, you know, three steps off the line of scrimmage, and he was already waving his arms, you know, wide open. Well, Falk was, you know, looking off to the right, looking off to the right, then looking in the center, and all of a sudden he finally looks left and sees, you know, Craycraft the down to the back of the end zone. So it's not, you know, I think that people have to kind of compartmentalize this a little bit and say, You know, are we ecstatic about the win? We are absolutely ecstatic about the win. We are absolutely ecstatic that Falk was able to throw for 470 yards and four touchdowns and no interceptions and a game-winning drive, and all those things are amazing. But we can also look at it and say, eh, you know, if he's going to take five or six or seven seconds to make every throw, yeah then that's going to be a problem when you're playing, you know, and it probably won't be a problem this weekend, but that's going to be a problem when you start playing Arizona and you start playing Oregon yeah. and you start playing, you know, probably even Cal. I mean, you know, that's – he's not going to have six seconds to make every throw, and he's got to diagnose to play quicker. And, you know, maybe, you know, Saturday he he made a step in that right direction, got to keep moving in that direction. So he's got Wyoming this weekend, which should be, you know, a pretty good opponent to to continue to make those um adjustments and then you will have a bye week and and you know so you know hopefully he's improving incrementally at, at yeah. those sorts of things and is able to be a little more decisive and a little more aggressive
2: exactly dude had a good week stats wise just want to see some of that improvement should be able to do it against a relatively weak secondary this weekend and uh we'll talk a little bit more about wyoming in a bit but uh i want to touch on one other thing river craycraft kind of looks like his old self which is great uh, dom williams looks fine as well but man how much did you miss Gabe Marks? Like you didn't realize that you did miss him last year and now he comes back into this season and this dude is just every bit as electric as he was his sophomore year. And just, I, I didn't think of, you know, at first I thought, you know, okay, yeah, I missed the guy, but now you look at him and man, I really missed the guy an awful lot. Didn't I?
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I think what he's shown you is he's as talented as you remember, you know, I mean, it's, And the thing was, you know, two years ago, I was a little down on him at the end of the year, not in a, you know, not in a really harsh kind of way, but more just like, you know, like he's just he's oozing talent, you know, he's, he's so quick and he's, and he's tough and all of these things. And, you know, and he really dropped off at the end of the year, two years ago, to the point where, you know, he basically was benched in a game,
0: Mm -hmm. essentially,
1: Um, you know, giving up his spot to Isaiah Myers. And so, you know and then you know everything last year and you know it really seems like that time off has you know refocused him a little bit um you know it's going to be interesting to see if he can bring this this kind of effort consistently i think that that was kind of part of the issue two years ago is that you know there was some inconsistency um you know but if he's truly dialed in and and uh, what we saw you know for example on saturday is the kind of stuff we're going to get then Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, you know, really, really excited for the potential of this offense, especially if, you know, as we can we talk about Luke Falk, you know, especially if, you know, Falk is able to be aggressive downfield because he hasn't really yet. And, and you know, we haven't really seen him use, you know, I think Dom Williams. And even, I'll be honest, I don't even think we've seen Gabe Marks um, at his best yet. I mean, I think he right. showed some amazing things on Saturday, but I don't even think, you know, he's shown you everything he's capable of doing uh, in this offense, if we can get the ball in his hands uh
2: with regularity I want to talk a little bit about the defense that we saw on Saturday with Jeff Nuser, our managing editor in the Papa of Coug- I like calling him the Papa of Kook Center it's kind <laughs> of a, it's a weird he's not like that too. you're not Italian <laughs> okay. though it doesn't really work out if you're not Italian are you italian no, I don't think you are.
1: I'm part I'm, I'm part of time. I'm, I'm part of a lot of things. Too. Okay, so well, I'll,
2: I'll get you a double-breasted suit and a track suit, too, and you can be the Papa Kook Center. Um, yeah, yeah, we could do that. Yeah, so I, I want to talk a little bit about the defense, and you remarked on Saturday that pretty much it was the Destiny Viau show and everybody else was just kind of there along for the ride. Viau did a really good job up front getting some push, but it seemed like everybody else – You know, the gap integrity wasn't there again. Uh, Rutgers was kind of telling them what they were going to do with Paul James out there, and they still couldn't stop them. Is it an issue of the same problems we've had over the last few years where the lateral speed just isn't there, or is it a a not knowing your assignment thing? Is it a new defensive coordinator thing, or is it just kind of all of that mashed up into one and that they just don't really have their feet under them quite yet uh, two games now into the season?
1: You know, I still. Some people are really. I think starting to question the talent level. I, I, you know, I still tend to think that it's more of a. They just don't look like they're playing fast. They they look like they're playing slow. And mm-hmm. Grinch, you know, that was a huge emphasis of his was to get them playing fast. You know, and, and you know, so like, you know, that's obviously like football jargon, and all that really means is. Um, stop thinking so much and start reacting, you know, Mm -hmm. start moving when there's a movement to be made, move in the right direction, you know, be in the right spot, you know, just kind of put yourself in a position to be aggressive. And to me, they still, they still look like a defense that's, you know, that's thinking too much, that that is, is still unsure of where they're supposed to be, that is unsure of when they can be aggressive and when, you know, maybe not to be aggressive. I mean, they just, they just look, they look slow and not because I think not because they are slow, but just because they're, they're just not playing as fast as they can. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that part, that part's a little frustrating. I think, you know, as far as, you know, the linebackers go and the guys on the edges, um, you know, I, I do expect more. I think they can play faster than they are. As far as like the nose tackles go with Barber and Equale, um, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's, I don't, you know, I don't know what to think of them. I, you know, they're, they're sort of consistently getting pushed around and, and that's concerning. You know, I don't know if that's a talent issue or a technique issue. You know, I I know that, um, you know, Tony Pole and Xavier Cooper were pretty good. Yeah. And so they're trying to, you know, half of that equation has been, you know, filled, you know, more than adequately by destiny via who has been awesome. And I think actually had a pretty good case for honestly defensive player of the week. Um, and, and if you put down who had the better game to me via or fault, I, you know, gun to my head, I'd say via I mean, yeah. disruptive. I mean, he didn't pile up the tackle numbers, but honestly, I think that's mostly because Rutgers just finally said, you know what, we're just going to run the other direction
0: yeah. and get
1: away from this guy and mm-hmm. let other people try to stop us. And you know, and, and then they did a lot of real, like, kind of wide sweep stuff that would go around him before he had a chance to get upfield. And so, you know, he had an incredible game. I'm concerned about the nose tackles, but I just got to believe that they're that they're more talented than what they're showing and maybe you know, just sort of playing every snap. They're kind of getting used to that. And, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I, I want to see a step forward this weekend. You know, Wyoming is another team that really should not be able to push those guys around. And so I want to see those guys – um, you know, holding their ground and, and at the very least, uh, you know, creating some some integrity on that front line so that the linebackers can start playing fast.
2: I think so far in terms of elsewhere in the defense, when it comes to the secondary, you know, obviously a point of big concern for everybody going into this season. I don't even think it took someone who was casually interested in Washington State to know that that was going to be a big problem uh, going into 2015, and I think at least to me, Any issues they may have have been pretty masked to this point, considering that you've played a team in Portland State that didn't really throw the football much at all. And when they did, it wasn't for uh, very long passes. And then against Rutgers, you played a, a quarterback who, you know, was very young and very raw and still didn't quite know what he was doing uh they've looked okay against the pass when the ball does come out but uh, in your evaluation in these first two games and again in wyoming you're going to see a team that probably is going to pass the football much do they get a passing grade so far or is the jury kind of still out on whether this secondary is improved or not
1: yeah i think most people know that i'm a teacher and if i was grading these guys in my classroom they'd get an incomplete like that's I'd be like look you know I want to I want to give you a good grade I want to be like yeah you're great but I just haven't seen enough um you know even against Rutgers you know Rutgers did throw the ball a bit but it was pretty plain to see that you know that the game plan was really to um you know give Rutgers kind of what they wanted in front of the defense that they were almost sort of uh, you know, giving these these pretty huge cushions to try and keep everything in front. They were determined mm-hmm. not to let Carew beat him over the top again, which, you know, again, look, as you watched it, I mean, it turned out to be a pretty good strategy, right? Because Rutgers yeah. turned the ball over three times. And, you know, I mean, without those two punt returns, I mean, maybe, or the two kick returns, I mean, you know, maybe Rutgers still kind of like the Cal game last year where we talk about, well, who cares about the kick returns because the defense couldn't stop anybody anyway. But, yeah. you know, maybe that would have been the case. But at the same time, you know, it ended up looking pretty smart because, you know, Laviano turns the ball over a couple times, should have been a third time, you know, if two guys could have gotten out of each other's way. Yeah. If it, if it wasn't the
2: bad recreation of oh, Minnesota Bobo, it would have been uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway.
1: Yeah. So, you know, Laviano, you know, was a hair away from turning the ball over three times. Um, you know, there was another fumble that Peyton Palour caused. and And so it just, you know, it ended up being the strategy was, hey, you know, was not going to beat you with your arm. His, his arm is going to make mistakes. Um, you know, I think they didn't quite plan for what the, you know, I think they hoped that their run defense would be better. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think the plan was to kind of give them space in front, let them, you know, make a tackle. And in that respect, you know, they've done an okay job. But, you know, we haven't seen them play against somebody who um, will really force them to play straight up and, and who – um, you know, we'll really just pick them apart if they give that much space. So, yeah. You know, until that happens, that's not going to happen this weekend either. Until that happens, I don't think we'll really know um, what we've got on our hands. But at the same time, you know, it's it's not a bad thing that, you know, that's been the case early on. The guys like, you know, Darian Moulton and, you know, and uh, Charleston White or Marcellus Pippins or whoever's playing on the other yep. side, you know, I mean, it's they're still young too. So, yep. you know, it's not a bad thing that they're getting more time to, kind of, you know, improve and work on things, even if, you know, the opponent's not really, you know, going to throw the ball all over the yard.
2: Yeah, a little bit of a soft landing for them, which is probably better than the really hard landing they've been getting. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Jeff Neusser joining us here. Uh, I want to talk – there is one person on defense I want to talk a little bit about. It's the old Newport Knight, the Nickelback, Isaac Dotson. Um, kind of been all over the place maybe play-wise, but it seems like when he puts his shoulder pads into somebody – it's going to hurt an awful lot. So what have we seen from him so far this year? Because it seems like the coverage still needs a little work, which is fine. He's playing a new position. But when he gets his hands on somebody, he's going to wrap them up and put them to the turf.
1: Yeah, you know, it seems like a lot to like. Um, You know, it seems, you know, as I've watched, it's it's tough to, you know, I don't have a great handle on what they're doing with him schematically. But, you know, when he's around the ball and, and there's a tackle to be made, he seems to make it. You know, personally, I you know I'd love it if maybe there was a way for him to play strong safety instead, where he could really, 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 you know, run downhill and hit people. You know, a la you know we were talking about Godfathers earlier. You know, the the Godfather of safeties it was, you know, Dale Buchanan. I mean, I think you know it'd be nice to see Dotson in that kind of a role maybe. But you know, obviously, you know I'm not I'm not questioning what Grinch is doing. I'm just saying, you know, like be kind of nice to see him rumbling downhill and laying the wood on some people but you know when he has had a chance to hit some people um you know he's done a good job with that and and i think uh you know he still has a real bright future for sure
2: yep one more thing about uh these two units and then we'll get to something really special and it's because it's in the name too uh the offensive line so far this year i think has been uh, a real bright spot just the one sack uh for luke falk on saturday and i think it was something like 67 68 dropbacks for Falk and then not quite as many against Portland state, obviously. And just, I think one or two sacks again, we're finally kind of seeing this come to fruition where Mike Leach has said before, there were six guys worthy of a scholarship when I got here. And now you're seeing these guys all North of 310 pounds with those wide splits. And they can finally actually manhandle some defensive lines. And that's probably a big part of what was missing from not just Mike Leach's offense, but Paul Wolf's offenses, or I guess Todd Sturdy's offenses, a few years ago, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, they look really, really, really good. Um, you know, they, they, I mean, Rutgers, it was one thing when they gave, you know, Falk a lot of time against Portland State, but, um, you know, Rutgers is, you know, it's a power five school, and that's a team that was, um, that actually graded out pretty well as a pass rushing team last year. Um, and they were missing one of their big, you know, pass rushing guys, their, their defensive tackle, and I'm, I'm totally drawing a blank on his name right now. Yeah, I can't
2: but, remember it either. Um,
1: yeah, Hamilton, maybe something like that. Anyway, you know, he was, he was a big part of that, and he was out, but at the same time, you know, to go through pretty much an entire game and have pretty much zero pressure on the quarterback when you drop back 66 times or 67 times, that's pretty good, and, um, and not only that, but you know they're running the ball effectively. I think, uh, you know, on on Saturday, to be honest, I think I I wish they maybe would have run it a little more on Saturday. And that's um, and I'm typically the ah whatever throw it as much as you want kind of guy. But um, you know, in the I really liked what they were doing in the first half, like mixing up the run and the pass, and the runs really seem to have sort of a rhythm to them. And I think that's kind of the key with the air raid is. You know, you can't just run it, run it, run it, run it, run it, like they did against Portland State. That Because, that, you know, the pass is always going to be your bread and butter, so you have to pass it frequently enough that you're still in that rhythm. But you also want to take advantage of opportunities to gash the defense with the run. And right. so, You know, I, I think there were some opportunities maybe against Rutgers to do that, to hit it maybe three or four or five more times in there somewhere.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but at the same time, real encouraging. You know, Wicks looks awesome. Harrington looks great. Um, you know there are weapons there, and the offensive line is is proving versatile, and they're proving that they can do some things. And so, um, yeah, super encouraging, and and that's going to be um, that's going to be a real important factor when we get uh, when we get into Pac uh, Pac twelve play for sure.
2: Our very own Jeff Newsom joining us here on the Cook Center Hour, and now we get to the very 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 depressing part of our interview and our talk here, Jeff, and that's about the special teams. For Washington State, which again, 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 <laughs> we're giving up two touchdowns on special teams, one on a punt, one on a kickoff. And I realize Rutgers kick return guy whose name is also escaping me probably grades out to be an NFL return guy, but two kick returns in a game for a touchdown I don't know if you rewatched the game or not. I watched a little bit of it. I don't know if it was lane integrity. I don't know if these guys were staying in their lanes appropriately. They seem to be, but they seem to be whiffing on some tackles too, and just getting absolutely manhandled by blockers. Is it the same problems we were seeing last year? Is it a new problem? I just want to know what the damn problem is, so I can get rid of the problems. That's all I want to do. I don't want these problems anymore.
1: You know, my personal opinion on special teams is that that it's coaching. And and I hate to say that because it seems like, you know, Eric Maley's, you know, a good guy and everything. But, you know, the, it's uh, 95% of special teams is just doing your job, yeah. doing it right, and being in the right spot. And, you know, when it comes to a punt, I mean, you know, I mean, let's be honest. It's basically, you know, 10 guys running at one guy with a bunch of guys who are not able to sustain blocks because – you know, you're running at them with your full force, and that's yeah. pretty much impossible. And so, you know, there's really, honestly, never an excuse for unless you're dealing with a truly, truly special athlete. But you know, if you look at the punt, the punt return, I haven't looked at the kick return that closely, but the punt return, you know, essentially you've got a miss. You you, end up, you have a missed tackle to start with, right? Yeah. And so you have a missed tackle, and what I saw was I saw you know three guys who sort of you know, there's a thing that looks like a guy is going to make a tackle. And so they just kind of let up just a little bit and then they overrun their lane. And then all of a sudden the guy breaks loose and they're like, Oh poop. And they're trying to scramble to get back and make, you know, just uh, to me, it, honestly, it just looked like poor fundamentals, um, on that one. And so it's just kind of, that's the part that frustrates the crap out of you. And, and you sit there and you say it ought to be correctable. It ought to be whatever. it you know we're going on you know two years of the worst special teams i've ever seen in my life i mean that's uh, that that part's really hard to swallow and and i don't know if you know you want to sit there and say it's totally correctable but maybe it would be fixed by now i don't know if it was
2: really if it was really truly totally correctable then it would probably be corrected by now would it not be i mean it's like
1: yeah i mean i just i sort of refuse to believe that it's a that it's a talent issue, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, it's, I really do. I, I don't think, I mean, it's one thing to get beat by a, by a special talent. And I mean, that happens sometimes, but it's like, you know, to sort of consistently get beat every, you know, over and over and over again is, is sort of, you know, that points to a, to a bigger issue. That's not really talent. I mean, I mean, let's be honest, is, is the special teams the last two years worse than the special teams we saw on Paul Wolf's teams? You know, no. I mean, we saw some bad stuff, but is this, is this worse? This is worse. I right? seem to recall special teams you actually know?
2: being somewhat of a strength under Paul Wolf, at least yeah. in the last couple of years, they was actually a relatively, it was actually kind of the one unit you could really count on to do their job, so to speak.
1: Yeah. I mean, if, if we can agree that what we've, what we're seeing this year and what we saw last year is worse than what we saw under Paul Wolf. then I think we can agree. It's probably not a talent issue. No. So I'll leave it at that.
2: We'll say there's one thing though, on special teams, Jeff, that is, is good. Eric Powell is like a kicker. Like he's, you know, I I think I agree with you that he might have gotten yanked a little too early last year, but dude split three field goals on Saturday and two of them were from 45 plus. So he, so far, he looks like he's nails. He was nominated for the Lou Groza player of the week award. So it's like, he looks nails, and this is probably something very encouraging to see after last year. When Whenever you trotted the kicker out, it was like, well, I'm just going to close my eyes and pray because that's really all the power any of us have on this one.
1: Yeah, fingers crossed, man. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah, <laughs> you know, <I> mean, <laughs> He actually he actually looks right. okay. But, you know, in, in all sincerity, though, just kind of talking about last year, like when he lost his job, I was kind of like, that's weird. You know what I mean? Just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I like to look for things, like, with, with kickers, and I know this this might be, like, sort of dumb or whatever, but, you know, I kind of like to look at, like, how well are they striking the ball? Like, to me, that's, especially with college kickers, like, that's a, to me, that seems to be sort of a telltale sign. You know, if the mm-hmm. guy is striking the ball well and just seems to have a little bit of an issue with his aiming, it seems like that's the sort of thing that you can fix, you know? Um but if he's not striking the ball well, or if he's, he's got these, you know, real dramatic fades or hooks on his kicks or whatever, you know, that kind of stuff. I'm like, eh, you know, if he's not consistently, it's kind of like a golfer, you know, like, like I know if my golf game's on, if I'm striking the ball well, right. right. If I'm going a little left or a little right, but I'm making that solid contact, I'm like, okay, you know I mean? Just, we can dial this in, you know, it's the days when I'm chili dipping every other shot and, you know, that kind of stuff that I'm like, uh, it's going to be a long (laughs) afternoon. Right. Yeah. Well, with with Powell, it was like, it seemed like last year, I mean, he was striking the ball. Well, the, the, you know, the trajectory of the ball was, was nice. And, um, you know, the flight of the ball was true and sort of all the things that I looked for, it just seemed like he was, you know, sort of pushing a little bit or pulling a little bit and, you know, so I was. I thought it was a little weird when they went to Brashears because when you watch the way he kicked the ball, it was definitely not like that. Yeah, you no, know? not I mean, at all. Sometimes he was kicking like the UFO flying saucer things. You know, where it was just like, what? This is our kicker. So, um, so anyway, it doesn't stun me that he's doing what he's doing because I thought I saw some potential last year, but I just assumed that the coaches must see something that I'm not seeing. So, yeah, really pleased. That would be awesome if this yep. guy is. Um, Actually going to be reliable for us, and um, it's very exciting to think that that we could have another uh, another reliable kicker for sure.
2: Really quick, give me your prediction on Saturday. Give me a final score. What's it going to be?
1: Yeah, I think Wyoming's really bad, and I think they're a really Mm -hmm. bad match. I I think that it's another bad matchup for for WSU. That's or for for Wyoming. I think WSU's a bad matchup for Wyoming. But that said, I. You know, one of the things I wrote about this weekend after Rutgers is that, you know, I want to be excited, but at the same time, it's like, you know, I got to see the team bring the effort, you know, every week. I got to see them be excited every week. I got to see them playing fast, they, you know, just sort of all the things that you want to see. And, you know, this team has a habit of being very up and down. Um, and particularly at home, they've played so crappy at home, and so, yep. Um, you know, I think that Wyoming, Wyoming is a, a, a mostly as you know as you talked about at the very beginning, is a mostly one-dimensional team. They're going to run the ball, um, but we've also shown that we can't really stop one-dimensional teams that run the ball, and so, um, you. Know, so I think Wyoming will probably put up some points. I think that, um, you know, I think Falk will be better. Um, I think that, you know, at some point I think it might click a little bit for him to, to turn it loose and, you know, this might be the weekend where he finally turns it loose a little bit, especially with the success of the last drive. I'm not a huge believer in momentum, but I, but I do believe in confidence. And I think that uh, Falk's confidence will be, you know, riding high and um, and that the, he'll, he'll be able to let it fly a little bit. So, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I'll go with something like, 48 to 17 WSU let's go with
2: that i would very much like that jeff nooser papa kook center joining us here on the kook center hour thanks big guy
1: thanks michael
2: all right coming back ask michael anything and the dunderhead of the week it's a special dunderhead of the week it's a 12 seriously yeah i'm gonna rant about it on the kook center hour Oh, Dunderhead of the Week time here on the Kook Center Hour, and uh, like many of you who are uh, Washington State University fans, uh, uh, you are also a Seahawks fan like I am, just as a natural geographical thing where you grew up, uh, are the bar we usually watch our Seahawks games at happens to be in my apartment building, you know, we have one of those apartment buildings that sits on top of retail shops and whatnot, and uh, it's a, a little decent, pretty decent bar, and I understand how stressful and frustrating the football game was on uh, on Sunday, but there was this gentleman sitting at the fr- so the bar has a big projector at the you know door at the back projector at the front. And this gentleman was sitting at a table with a bunch of his friends, and uh, this guy the whole game was screaming just unintelligible things to Daryl Bevel, to uh, to Pete Carroll, to Russell Wilson. Uh, Jimmy Graham, whoever. I, I, I didn't even really hear what you know he was saying. But his main source of consternation was on, uh, obviously with the final play of the game, uh, you know, I get over a Seahawks loss a lot quicker than Cougar losses. I just, you know, it's just, eh, you know, okay, I'm over it. This man, <laughs> um, he's been screaming and yelling the whole game, right? And I, I, I don't mean like, in the way you kind of expect people in a bar to scream and yell. That happened, and this guy just absolutely lost his mind. Just absolutely, completely took the train off the rails and crashed into an enclosure of puppies and kittens. Over a week one football game. Look, I, I get mad about some stuff with the Kook sometimes, but I hope I have never, ever gotten as mad and just apocalyptically insane as this guy. Like, it, it, it is, I, this is stupid for me to say on a audio medium, but it is hard for me to describe how insane this guy was. <laughs> it made everybody in the bar uncomfortable. Everybody just completely uncomfortable even we've been going down there for two years watching games even the employees we knew pretty well were, were like wow this guy's insane so just week one of a 17 week season maybe just bring it down a little bit and based on the fuji reading you could use your blood pressure to come down fries wings and you would put more salt on each whatever Let's do Ask Michael Anything now. Always, always my favorite segment, asking Michael anything here. At Brett underscore Gleason, best JB and Y. James Bond, Jason Bourne, or Jack Bauer. You know, it never even occurred to me like that they all had the initial JB. I don't know why I didn't think about that. I personally would have to go with James Bond. Jack Bauer just kind of, you know, I never watched a lot of 24, but he always comes off as kind of cold and whatnot. Jason Bourne's really cool, but he's not, he he doesn't have the suave of Sean Connery. He doesn't have the badass. You know, Jason Bourne is pretty badass, but I think Daniel Craig's a little more badass. And neither of them drive Aston Martins. It's just, yeah. At Aaron Hahn Media, why did it end Why did my NHL 16 season mode start Dallas goalie Anthony Niemi over the far superior Kari Lehtonen? Well, I believe Anthony Niemi is Finnish, and uh, those people can stop anything. Not the Russians in World War II, but they can stop a lot of stuff. I have no idea. That's a really weird default, especially uh, Lehtonen, I think, is much better than Niemi, especially at Niemi's age. He's really old, if I remember right at SSFC footy13 mark what wings should I order this weekend at Valhalla is there any question you should just get the hot wings I'm not I'm not on an anything else other than hot wings guy I don't like barbecue wings I don't like Thai chili wings I don't like any of that hot slash buffalo wings that those are wings that is what I want at Kyle Rancourt where's the weirdest place you've ever had to I'll say drop one Number two. Uh or the worst place. This was brought up on Twitter also by someone. It's probably the Portageons at like day three at watershed at the gorge. 105 degrees for three days, and they do not clean those things. At all. Like, period. At Glen Duggan, what's worse, Bud Lime or strawberry Oh god. They're both horribad. <laughs> I've never had the strawberry, so I'll just say Bud Lime. Bud Light Lime or whatever it is. Bud Light's bad enough already, but then you got to put that artificial lime flavor on it. That's almost worse. At BK Ransford, our old friend Britton Ransford, what happens if Pinocchio says my nose is going to grow now? Dude, I don't know. Ask a philosophy major. I would assume because it technically is a lie. It would grow, but then also he would be telling the truth of it grew. So I would probably say it would implode back into his brain and kill him. Not to be too morbid about him. Washington State, 42, Wyoming 17 this weekend. We'll see you guys next week on the Coop Center Hour.